millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Andy J Podcast. Hey there, welcome to episode 33 of the Andy J Podcast. Hope you're having a good week. Thank you very much for choosing us as your companion for the next hour and a bit. Um, We've got some really, really interesting conversations, actually, for celebrity guests for you today. Each of them with a very different story and from completely different backgrounds. Okay, so we've got the brilliant comedian slash presenter slash Welsh legend Rod Gilbert. Really, really lovely man. Had the most fascinating conversation with him about his new show and the implications of the show and various different ramifications about it. It's called Stand Up to Infertility. And my word does he put himself on the line in it so really amazing and revealing chat with rod loved that that's first up then we hear from queen of the jungle reality show legend and self-described super mum kerry katona now kerry is a good soul she's had a very strange and rough old ride in life and yet she still managed to bounce back and keep on keeping on and i have a lot of respect for her she's a fascinating woman and always so open i've met her a few times and She just says exactly how it is with her life. You know, there's no censoring herself. She just tells you how she's doing and how she's feeling. So she's great company. A magician makes the show. Now, the the last magician we spoke to, supreme magician, illusionist, etc., was the incredible Darren Brown. Now, this magician is a man who will be at Darren's League in the not-too-distant future. He is not just up and coming, because I'd say he's thoroughly established. It's the marvellous Ryan Tricks. He has shows on Channel 5, the BBC iPlayer. He's been on America's Got Talent. And he is supremely good at what he does. A fascinating guy. Great, great company. I think you're going to love hearing from him. And my final guest for this show this week is acting royalty. The brilliant Phil Daniels. Uh, EastEnders... Quadrophenia. How could I forget that? Should have should have started with Quadrophenia, shouldn't I? Scum, many other... The film, by the way, not him. He's a legend. And of course, he's the voice of Blur's Park Life. And my... I've got to be honest, I really wanted to quote that frequently whilst chatting to him. I didn't, but I wanted to. Anyway, thank you for your company. Really appreciate it. I think this is a cracking show this week and uh, nothing to do with me. The guests are just such a lovely mix of people, all with different things to talk about and different experiences and all very, very current and timely. So let's jump straight in with Rod Gilbert. The Andy J Podcast. I am so thrilled to welcome my next guest. He has been described by none other than Time Out, by the way, as one of the best comedians anywhere in the world. And they should know they watch a lot of comedy. It's the one and only Rod Gilbert. How are you doing, Rod? I am very, very well. I tell you, live comedy feels like a long time ago, doesn't it? But hopefully, oh. hopefully it'll be back before too long. <laughs> well, I mean, does, does this put it, because you, you kind of paused touring for about seven years, didn't you? So does this put that in perspective a little? 
Yeah, so I, I had a break from touring for about six, seven years, came back to it, was loving being back on it, and then um, crash, bang, wallop, um, <laughs> everything stopped again. So, yeah, so um, my, my return has been uh, delayed uh, again. So, so yeah, so I'll, it looks like I'll have another year or two away from it before coming back. So, um, yeah, I'll have, done, I'll have done very little stand-up in 10 years, really, but, but I'm on tour that, I'll be on tour, hopefully. I'm hoping to be back out on tour at the end of this year. And I'm, I've got a feel. If it happens, it's going to be incredible, I think. I think the atmosphere will be electric. I think I think people, I'm the same. I, I want to go to music gigs. I want to go to restaurants. I, you know, there's just so, I want to get out there and do stuff. So I think the, the atmosphere in theatres and comedy clubs, you know, should be great, I think. Oh, people will be chomping at the bit. I mean, we have been for at least nine months now, don't you think? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, from day two, we've yeah. been chomping at the bit to get back <laughs> yeah. out there. Yeah. Well, there's the whole—you don't know what you got till it's gone. But we kind of all knew. Absolutely. Within the first few hours, we knew what we had. You know, it was like, oh no. Yeah. And now here yeah. we are, like a year later, and it's like. Really? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I don't, I don't think you know. All those times you used to go, oh, I can't be bothered to go tonight. Oh, yeah. the band, the gig, the comedy. Oh no, I think I, I think, oh, it's a bit cold. Not never again. I am saying yeah. yes to. It everything i'm never saying no again <laughs> no one's ever staying in ever again no no yeah. <laughs> yeah. tell me something though because i really miss hugs right of course we miss gigs and we miss work and and normalcy and all the rest of it but i really miss hugs but i don't think handshakes will come back what do you think i i think everything will come i i i, I think I, I, yeah i think we'll be amazed i think we'll because at the moment we're all watching TV, and if two people hug, you're going, "What are they doing?" Yeah, you know, everyone—it <laughs> looks really odd. You see a handshake. We've almost forgotten that that was the way we greeted people. <laughs> but but I think I think it'll be. I think within a week, I think everything will be totally. Well, it depends. It does depend, doesn't it? it depends if the pan, if 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 COVID stays with us, and we all under, which seems likely, I guess, and we'll all have to be careful. Sort of for a very long time, so so maybe it won't maybe it won't come back actually. Yeah, yeah. but if it, if it, if the pandemic clears completely and we got rid of it, which I know probably won't happen, but then I think things would come back very quickly. I think within a few days, everybody be hugging and kissing and you know or wondering about how many kisses to get. That used to be the biggest problem, didn't it? How it many, did. Oh, when you hug somebody, would you kiss them twice or three times on the cheek, or do you, do you shake hands? What do you do? You know, yeah. Now I think those, it's just those are the days, yeah, aren't they? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, you always used to feel so awkward with the, the whole kissy thing, air kissy, cheek kissy, whatever it might be thing. But right yeah, now, yeah. like you say, if we if we do beat this properly, I'm just going in for a full snog. You know, whoever, big yeah, tongues be, I, in. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, be, be careful with that. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I can't see myself being allowed out for long. But <laughs> no, no, no. I you know I think I think you might get into a little bit of trouble if that is your blanket policy. <laughs> I'll probably check first. You know, read the room a little bit. No, yeah, I mean, read the room. Definitely might, read the room. Might be don't, a bit awkward yeah. if you walk into a room where there's like ten or twenty people. That's gonna that's a long greeting, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I, I I think if you if you're gonna go straight in for a post log, I think it's gonna be awkward whatever room you walk in. Mate. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think whoever's on the other side of that door, it's gonna be awkward. I'm sensing that that's a pass, then Rod. When we meet, I'm sensing that that's a I'm, there's no snogs allowed here. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm never, never say never. All right, all right. I mean, I, I'll take that for now. You know, yeah, <laughs> we can dream. Um, so. Well, Listen, Rod, the new show, I've seen it. Uh, I'm sure loads of people have seen it by now. Wow. I mean, talk about putting your heart on the sleeve or, or your balls on the line in in this case. You've really gone yeah. for it with your honesty, your openness and sharing in a big, big way. 
I'm talking about, of course, yeah. stand up to infertility. <laughs> yeah. talk, talk me through what happened then. Uh, well, I sort of, I mean, I knew right when I picked the documentary, I knew that I was going to have to be open and honest and have to share a certain amount of my own, um, you know, embarrassment and stuff. But I think as the documentary went on, I sort of got further and further into it. Um, and, and if you've seen the documentary, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to give too much away, but basically I, I sort of become a reluctant face of infertility for a, for a, for a campaign, a big, a big PR campaign to try and get men talking about this issue. And, and, I, and I didn't really, uh, I mean, excuse the pun, I didn't see that coming. I didn't, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think ahead and think, oh, if we have a campaign, they'd ask me to, to sort of front it. I'd be a sort of poster boy. I didn't, I didn't think that far ahead. It was so I sort in. of got, yeah. I sort of got further and further. You know, I sort of, well, one minute I, I was, so, I knew I'd have to tiptoe out up to my knees in in sort of embarrassment, and uh, but I, I ended up sort of with the water right up around my head. <laughs> yeah. It was very do you know what? a lot deeper than I thought. <laughs> well, it was remarkable to watch Rod for for a number of reasons, not just for the the spotlight that you put on this. You know, I, I believe one of the key um, statistics that you found out that was the catalyst for you to bring everything in was sperm counts in the entire Western world have dropped by sixty percent, which is you know colossal when you think about it. I mean, that's just in in our lifetimes. I'm in my forties. You're, I believe, fifty two. You know, that's a yeah. What on earth's happened there? So. Well, yeah, well, that's, that is that is the sort of fact that drew me. What, what I found, the reason I did this documentary was 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 we've been going through treatment, and I and I found myself, even though we've both got issues, I found myself. I was always, I, I call it best supporting actor. I, it was always my wife was the main point of contact. Yeah. She would sit next to the GP or the doctor or the or the medic or whoever we were dealing with, and I and I, and I realised that the focus wasn't really on me. But I also realised, and this is the important bit, is that I was quite comfortable with that. I, I wasn't asking many questions. I wasn't pushing myself forward. I wasn't as engaged with it all as I perhaps I should have been. And then, and then, and so I was—I had that feeling. And then, and then, I, and then I was going home, and I would do a little bit of research at home on the internet, mm. um, you know, and I was just on my own quietly kind of thing. And, and I stumbled upon this fact that sperm counts have dropped by sixty percent since about nineteen seventy-three in the Western world. And I thought, God, is this this? This feels like some existential threat, is it? I haven't read this. Men aren't talking about it. I don't. I've never heard it. And 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 it turns out it isn't quite the the existential threat that it sounds. You know, there there are lots of reasons. Modern living, they think, um, you know, smoking, anabolic steroids, obesity, drinking, right. lack of exercise, sedentary lifestyles. Um, you know, all sorts of things are, are are not good for our sperm. And and but equally, people are having kids later, so the quality of the sperm isn't as good. But so so there's lots of different stuff going on. And it is significant, but it's perhaps not the catastrophe that it sounds like yes. uh, when you when you first read it. But 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 anyway, I, I armed with this fact, uh, I'm curious about it, and and also with my own feeling that I wasn't as engaged with the whole issue as I should be, and I'd never spoken to another man about it. I'd never spoken to my family about it, um, the fertility issues, and I thought there's something going on here, and that's when I went to the BBC and I said. I literally just told them that and said, I think I think this would make an interesting documentary and, and an important one to try and I don't think I'm alone, you know. I think I think I think this is a man thing. I don't think we talk about this stuff. Can I go and investigate it? And they said, Yes. So so off I went. And it's so I mean, it's so revealing, Rod, because you know, you're so right. There's that you kind of think about 
when you're a teenager and whatnot, as a as a bloke, you know, and you, you you're sort of this. There's all sorts of things that are connected to your sense of self, your sense of manhood, you know, your your yeah. testosterone level, and you know, all sorts of naughty things that we probably can't talk about on a daytime uh, radio show. But but nonetheless, yeah. you know what I mean. There's there's a there's a measuring contest, isn't there? And it's not just about- absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. And fertility is mixed up with sort of virility. You know, and 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 uh, yeah, but but uh, when you're growing up as a, as a man, or it used to be, I don't know, if, I don't know if it still is so much for, for for you know young lads growing up these days. But for us, yeah, it was it was very much about who can lose your virginity first, who's got the longest, who's got the widest, who's got the, <laughs> who's 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 slept with the most people. It was it was very very kind of virility, is masculinity, yeah. is toughness. It's in all of that. It's mixed up in all of that, and. Um, and, and I think that, and, and that, therefore, if you struggle in that department, then then who's gonna who's gonna hold their hand up and go, oh hello everyone, I'm 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 uh, I'm gonna say something now that will make you think I'm less of a man. Yeah. Why, why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> you, know, you, also... you spend most of your time trying to prove how much of a man you are. You know, we did as as, as kids, as adolescents. You no, know? I'm I'm exactly the same as you, and and similarly, Rod. You know it's not something that you can find out particularly easily. You know, there aren't, I would hope at least, there aren't that many teenagers and, and people in their early 20s kind of desperately on the baby trail. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know. We, well, ironically, we spend half our time trying not to get uh, pregnant, don't we, and get people pregnant as more as, as, as adolescents probably, or we we did back in the back in the 80s. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, you're right. So, But I think, I think... Men, we don't really think about it. It's quite, it's quite good. I think we sort of know roughly some of the things that are bad for fertility, like drinking and smoking and stuff. We're sort of aware of that as we're growing up. But equally, we don't really do anything about it. We don't take it seriously. Yeah. You know, yeah. like there's a, there's a bit, and I did a campaign, I launched this campaign in Cardiff. It was more, I was so embarrassed, sort of standing with this hymn fertility <laughs> banner above my head, sort of so standing brave. there, the face. So I mean, I, I can't tell you how embarrassed I was. Oh, it's clear. And, you, and, you can uh, see. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, that's one of the yeah. things that's very apparent in the show. Is is you? You are so uncomfortable, and it's not. Yeah. You're not acting yeah. uncomfortable. You are hating it, which is no. I'm hating it. I'm, yeah. I'm the target audience. Like I'm I, the way I put it. I'm the target audience for this for this documentary and for this campaign because the campaign and the documentary is to try and get men. To, to start talking about it and to open up a bit and to try and see it as less of a stigmatizing, embarrassing thing to be ashamed of. But I feel all of that. I've got all the weight of that embarrassment and shame on me. So, so I'm I'm the target audience for the document. I need to watch this documentary and sort myself out. You, you know, should. It's really good. It's a really good show. I still, yeah, <laughs> I still haven't spoken. But I still haven't spoken to anybody about it. I've done a documentary now. I'm talking to you. I've talked to you know TV shows. I've talked. I've talked on stage about it. Now, but I still haven't spoken to anybody. It, me, the person off stage, off camera. I haven't spoken about this to any friends or family. So I've got to overcome all this stuff. Yeah. You know. So I'm. I'm. The, I'm my own target audience. It's a very odd situation. But what I was going to say about young people is, you know, I said we're, we're broadly aware of this stuff, but we don't take it seriously. We're in that campaign launch in Cardiff, there's a scene where I sort of get these young lads, students, sort of types, I guess. With the pants, yeah, and the you boxer know. shorts. Yeah, with yeah. the pants, and I hand out all these. Under- but I say to them beforehand, I say, what sort of pants do you wear? You know, what's your underpants of choice? And, and after them, I think, go, oh, tight boxer, tight brief, tight And then when we get the underpants out, I've got these prop underpants, baggy ones, loose ones, tight ones. They're all like, oh, those are t- those would be terrible, those tight ones. 
but they've all they've all told me a minute earlier they're all wearing them. Yeah, and it's because it's because we sort of aware of this stuff. We don't think about it. We do not. We still see not just me and not just men, but society generally. We see fertility as predominantly a female issue, mm. and the and the bottom line is that men are as likely to struggle with fertility as women are. It's fifty percent of fertility issues are down to men, and we do. I that shocked me. It shouldn't do, but it did. Well, and also the way that society addresses it. You know, you went to the fertility show, you know, in a massive great arena with hundreds of stands. Only one of them was specifically for blokes. So, yeah, I mean, it's... It's, it, it has yeah. to change, you know. You you have you've really shone a light on something that I hadn't realised how naive everyone was to it, and it is. It's it's a very pressing thing because I would say the other thing that goes alongside this rod is is about parenthood. You know, there's there's. Mm. I, I think it's very olden times now to say that you know women. Uh, you know, are more drawn to being parents than men because, I mean, I am a dad and, and, and being a dad mm. is a crucial and huge part of my life. But I, you mm. know, I didn't become a dad until I was 35. And before we started trying, I did in the back of my head, I was like, have I got the, have I got the necessary equipment to do this? You know, have, am I going to be able to do it? You do think about it. And it's, it's wrong to think that you don't. And, and I, I've had plenty of friends that have had huge challenges actually getting there. And some, some have had to give up and, and have, have just accepted it's never going to happen. Others have had long, long journeys to, to success. And it is something yeah. that... I, th- I think you're probably... I think that's interesting as well, though, in a way, because, because lots of people wouldn't even know. Like, like I've got lots of friends. Some, lots of them have got children. Lots of... Well, quite a, some of them haven't. Now, I don't know whether those people who haven't have been trying for years, mm. have ever, or, or have never wanted. I, I, we, we haven't talked about it. So, so when you're saying you've got lots of friends, who've been, you seem to know um, you, you're, you're obviously more of a communicator and a talker, perhaps, with your, with your friends than, than a lot of other people that I've come across, including myself, who we don't talk about this stuff. Well, I, I don't I, know how many of my friends struggled or went through IVF. But I don't know how many of them have tried and given up after years of time. I don't know. Well, I imagine that's going to change now, Rod, because of the documentary, you know, because of your show. I imagine you might find some friends confessing. I only know about my sort of friendship group because we've had some some hiccups along the way with, with miscarriages and so on. I'm not oversharing right. here. I won't, right. I won't go down that path. But, you know, when, yeah. when you confide in friends that you're having a rough old time for those reasons, you tend to, people then tend to share stories. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, it's not yeah, something you know, yeah, I think if yeah. we just had a breezy, easy time and, and you know, no worries, I probably would yeah. be ignorant to it. Rather like you yeah. shining a light now, I suspect that you might have certain friends saying to you, do you know what, mate, you know, I'm, I'm with you. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the, yeah, the, the amount of, I mean, I've just so, so much contact after doing something like this. You know, I'm getting emails from Canada, Melbourne, all over the world, from, from people of all ages, men, women, uh, everything. It's, it's, yeah, it's been a, it's been a remarkable, quite, Quite humbling response, really, yeah. I bet. How are you? You you said you haven't really addressed the situation with yourself, and I realise this is a performance kind of situation because you don't know who I am and so on. But nonetheless, how how are you doing with the whole thing? Are, are you all right? Uh, yeah. Well, at the moment, it's sort of mixed in with a whole load of other stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's mixed in with the pandemic, with you know, with uh, the sort of mental health more generally. I think you know. So we are. Me and my wife are—we are hanging in there. You know, we've we've had good days, bad days, good weeks, bad weeks. That's what it's like, isn't it? Yes. But we are—we're—we're we're still together. We're all right. We're—we're we're back into the fertility cycle now. Because of course, it all came crashing down. Yeah. You know, not—I mean, I was filming this documentary. It was pre-COVID, 
you know, and uh, the documentary was, was, we were filming that. Um, the campaign that we launched as part of the documentary, the Him Fertility campaign to get men talking, that that was gaining some momentum and getting somewhere. Um, and we were in fertility treatment. And all of that stopped, the documentary, the campaign, and our fertility treatment, and everybody else's. Um, and so now fertility treatment is back on, so we're back into it. And um, and very, we're very philosophical about it. You know, we're very philosophical about it. We, we we know that it might not happen. We know that we're not kidding ourselves. We're not allowing ourselves to be desperate about it. We're just we're philosophical. Um, but but equal and also the campaign is is helping me a bit as well. I think it's helping both of us mm. because once the world starts opening up again, I want to get this campaign going. I, that, we, you know, in the documentary, you see me. I have a little meeting with a group of seven blokes. Yeah, in a pub. In the pub, and yeah. we talk about fertility. And and I, I don't know whether that's the first ever all male group of men in a pub talking about fertility. It may be, it may not. But it's, there's not many of them <laughs> that's for sure. Mm. Um, but I want to do more of that. You know, and I want to get this campaign up and running and build resources and, and get on board with, um, I, I'm, I'm hoping, I've heard this morning, and there's really good news, I'm getting on board with Fertility Network UK, which is oh, a big great. fertility charity, to do more stuff with men specifically. So they take the campaign that I've started and run with it, with me as a, as a, a reluctant face of it. But that's helping us, that's helping us. Focusing on this is helping us, you know, in our own sort of uh, journey, really. Have you still got a, a sort of, burning desire to be a parent you know despite the, the sort of last i don't know 16 18 months it's um uh oh god it's, it's very nuanced and very complicated isn't it we we still we still would like to be parents yes but there's there's no doubt that um there have been moments um during this uh, pandemic where we thought are we are we doing the right things we want to bring a child into this world yeah um there are enough uh, enough things to be miserable about and, and be anxious about that have certainly made us question that not for very long maybe 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 only for minutes here and there but nonetheless they they do yeah you do worry about the the state of the world and um you know i, I remember talking to somebody about this a few years ago not 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 about fertility we were talking about bringing children into this world yes and uh and this it was a girl, obviously. It wasn't a bloke, obviously. We don't talk about stuff like that. <laughs> it was, a, it was, a, and she said, uh, she said, yeah, but Rod, the thing to think is that if you, you know, if you can bring a child into the world and you can, you can, you know, bring that child up well and bring that child up right, and that that child can make make the world a better place. They are the futures. And I thought, Craig, don't put that responsibility on it. We haven't even had it. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a minute. Not only have I got to try and have a kid, but it's got to be Superman or change it's the a... world. Now it's got to be now. Nelson Mandela, what are, you, what are you asking me to predict? Hello, son. Here is your first birthday gift. Some enormous shoes. Yeah. Fill them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, just thought, oh, don't put that pressure on my unborn child, but change the world, <laughs> make the world a better place. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's but I know, it. What, I know what they meant. I know what they meant. Would you consider, and I, I'm, I feel I'm going very personal here, Rod, so excuse me, but you know the, the, the nature of the programme means I, I feel sort of strangely close to you, if that makes sense. Um <laughs> Some friends of mine have, have, have done this and been down this route, etc. So this is why I asked the question, because I've seen their journey. Would you, is there a point where you and Sean would say, you know, regardless of how the fertility treatment is going and, and what the prognosis is, etc., would you consider adopting? Yes. Yes, without, uh, without question. We, 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 ha we have considered it, and it's, it's only through, I mean... <sighs> Yeah, yeah, yes, I would. The short answer yeah. to that, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. 
that's that's very good to hear because certainly you know from from what i've learned from from witnessing my friends etc you know that i don't think there's much more noble a, a grown couple can do than than adopt a child in need actually um regardless of yes, whether you have your own kids or not i think it's a i think it's an incredible thing yes yes no i i i, I agree yes i you know, it's definitely something yeah we've, we've yeah we've, we have spoken about it for years and then i'm sort of almost hard pressed to see why we haven't gone ahead and done it life is life's a funny old game isn't it yeah yeah yeah, I mean, do you ever, because I know ladies obviously think about this an awful lot. You're 52. Do you ever think about, you know... Yeah, being... I do. Of course I do. Yeah, yeah. Of course I do. This wasn't this wasn't the plan. You know, I'm only I'm only 52 because of years and years of, you know, because Sean has something called endometriosis, a condition, a very uh, painful, incurable, debilitating condition that's just, that makes life really pretty rough and um, and affects fertility. Um and and I've and I've and I've got stuff as well. I've got issues with the morphology of my sperm, like I say in the in the documentary. You know, ninety ninety eight percent of them are shaped like shelving brackets instead of arrows, <laughs> and they're um, <laughs> so um, they're uh, coming at you sideways and all wonky. Yeah, but, um, a couple but, of boomerangs so, going so on there. That's why I'm fifty two. You, you know, it's it, it, I, we. I was I wasn't fifty two when we started thinking about this and trying. You know, I was a considerably yeah. younger younger person. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely think I think about that as well. Am I too old now? Am I getting to it? Is it, you know? And 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 again, it's one of the, it's one of those things that I don't think, you know. Don't get somebody. Somebody texted me um, about two years ago. Going, um, he just had his third kid at thirty-two. Um, and wow. He texted. <laughs> he texted. He texted me and he said, um, he said, oh. God, he said, right, tell you what, he said, uh, having a kid at 27 is one thing, but 32 is a whole different ballgame. I thought, oh, God, mate. I thought, just, just what you wanted to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that. If it's, if it's, you know, I'm not expecting it to be easy at, at, at my age if we do have a child. I know I know how tough that is, is going to be. Um, for stuff. Having said that, you know, there, there, there are some um, advantages, I think, to, to being older, more settled, being, you know, perhaps um, financially comfortable yeah. uh, and, th- and things like that. That that um, you know, there are uh, there are, there are, there, are, there are positive things. I think you know uh, about about being being a bit older. But um, you know, and like and, and everything's changed. Isn't it? Life expectancy is, is is changed. We're living far longer. We're retiring far later. We're you know everything is. You know, I'm 52. It's probably the new 37. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would, I would agree with yeah. that definitely. I mean, there's a yeah. There's my, a, my my parents were nearly four, were put late thirties when they had me, and that was in the sixties. So, right. you know, so we're probably there's probably not. I'm not an expert. Somebody's probably shoot this down and go, and go. Uh, that's that's not equivalent. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely do do think about that. Yeah. Yeah, no, well, there's, there is a paper, if this might make you feel a little better, there's a paper out there. I remember having to do this for a, for a show once. I had to try and understand it, which is incredibly hard to understand. But some great uh, scientist, philosopher type character has, has made the proclamation that the world's first thousand year old man is currently 60 years old. <laughs> really? Get your head around that. Oh, it's all to do with, you know, the, the DNA supplements and, you know, having exactly the right thing for optimal body and so on. But the point is, you know, that the tech is, is, is becoming apparent where we can sustain human life for a lot longer if the, if the circumstances are exactly right. And, and you must see, you know, from all the analysis you've had on your swimmers, you know, just how much detail people can now extract from an individual's personal, you know, makeup. It's, uh, it's incredible. Yeah. Really. Uh, uh, 
Yeah, ab- absolutely. And DNA uh, uh, patterning, I think, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and you know, there are impl- and uh, there's lots of conversations about that online about about whether we uh, whether you'll need men at all in the future as well, isn't it? But let's not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> They'll always need a beard, you know. That's what I like to think. You know, <laughs> someone with a nice big beard just just to have a stroke of, you know. There's a funny beard. Let's give it a tip. Yeah, yeah. That's I, yeah. I, I, you know. Let's hope for that. Is that is that what we've been reduced to? Is it? <laughs> I'm all right with that, to be honest. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. even grow a good beard, but I'm doing my best. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah, yeah, no, my, I'm with you. I'm with you. My, mine's not, mine's not great, but it's a, it's a, it's a right, right now, that's uh, that's that's not the most embarrassing thing I'm talking about right now. So. <laughs> right, I got to say, you know, you've you've made the nation laugh for such a long time, but you know, with with this, with stand up to infertility, and indeed the 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 shyness doc that you made in in what was it, 2017. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, two you, years ago, yeah, yeah. You've allowed yourself to be so vulnerable, you know, on, on, on now so many levels. I mean, is this right? I, I haven't seen the Shyness doc for such a long time, but from memory, mm. is is it right that you, you couldn't kind of mix at all with anyone at uni for, for three weeks? You couldn't go to the canteen and so on because you were so Oh, shy? no, longer than that. I didn't, I didn't go much longer than three weeks. They moved me in the end. The, the university intervened because I hadn't been to any lectures. I hadn't been to any, you know, seminars. Uh, I hadn't been to the the canteen because I, I couldn't go there and walk in on my own and sort of sit on my own and eat. So I used to just go down to the garage petrol station and get a pasty or a Mars bar or whatever and just eat in my room. And in the end, they sort of they sort of intervened, you know, and yeah. and they just said they, they the first intervention was look just knock on the guy next door and just say you want a coffee just that. And I was like I can't do that. You're dreaming if you think that I can do that. Um, so I didn't do that. And and in the end, the university intervened and said this is after about two months probably um they said look we're gonna we're gonna move you and we're putting you in the care of this guy this bloke who who who, who is uh, you know sort of confident young chap and is really nice and he's agreed to start, and, he, and he took me and we're still friends today you know still very close today he, he took me under his wing um and just sort of suddenly i had a friend um and and then everything was much easier but but uh, I still can't go in coffee shops and things on my own, or in a restaurant on my own and eat. Or really? I still, yeah, I can't can't do anything like that. I can't. I can't. I I I've still. I did a thing on Would I Lie to you not long ago, where I left out the shyness part of it because that was all a bit bleak. But I, <laughs> but I, it was a bit about sleeping rough uh, in Spain. I was too shy to to check in at the hotel that I'd booked, so I just slept outside. It was, it was warm. It was all right. Wow, I mean that's that's <laughs> incredible because you can walk out onto a stage in front of thousands of people, but going into a restaurant on your own. That's, I know, and I, I, I cannot, if I'm really, I can't really explain that contradiction, if I'm honest. <laughs> well, you don't have to, you know, it's, it's I, just something you Yeah, do, well, so. no, I mean, we, we, are, we are funny funny things, aren't we, people? Not as weird as folk, and I am a, a strange little thing. And uh, yes, I can't really explain how I can walk out in front of thousands. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm, I, I am nervous as hell when I'm doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely, having kittens. It's not like I'm walking out there comfortably. Yeah. But you'd think that the person who can walk out in front of thousands of people and do that could then afterwards just pop in and have a pint on his own in a pub. No yes. chance. Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I guess I guess the point I was making with these two incredibly revealing and, and intimate pieces that you've made that are so personal is... is, is is this a maturity? Is this a confidence you have in the British public and how you're perceived, or is it, or is it a kind of don't really care attitude? You know, it's just it's important to you and you want to tell um, the story. Yeah, I think I think it's it's seeing 
it's it's seeing it's, it's dipping your toe in the water in these things, one or two of these little things like that, and and seeing the response, you know, especially that shyness one, mm. seeing the response to that, um, which was totally different to anything I'd ever done with it. You know, in the past as a comedian, you'd largely your the response to you is largely, hey, you were really funny, I really enjoyed that, or you're you're awful, <laughs> you know, you're awful, I hate you, yeah, uh, how dare you, how dare you, you know, be on the stage in front of me or be on my TV or anything like that. That's 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 about it, really. You do get the odd message that says something, you know, I've had a few over the years that say things like, oh, you know, when my dad was very ill in his final week, the only thing that sort of made him laugh was your comedy or this sketch or something. You, you do get the odd touching message, but, but largely as a comedian, it's clearly, it's clearly you're funny or you're not, okay. you know. And then, and then suddenly when I did that shyness thing, the response was so much deeper and more meaningful and more uh, just, just people really reaching out and touched by it and talking about their stories and how it had helped them. And I just thought, oh, this, you know, this, that, that's a nice thing. That feels good. So, so when this infertility thing, when these ideas occurred to me about, you know, I found myself not talking about it. I thought, I wonder, I just thought, I wonder, I wonder if I, I thought, A, I'm not alone. And then B, would it help people if I talk about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so 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 again, it's it's sort of knowing that it can have a real, um, quite a profound impact on on people. I guess is what encouraged me to do it. I think a huge impact, and 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 you know, both of these are, are pieces that will I think help people for years and years to come. You know, they're accessible on the iPlayer, you know, and so on. And and I think, you know, anybody that sort of types in one of these two issues into Google or whatever and sees that you have anchored such important and, and, and personal messages, you know, in these documentaries, I think will will make a massive difference. I mean, the only question I guess, Rod, is what, what next? You know, you've, you've been oh, super better on these ones. <laughs> hemorrhoids? I mean, where, where do we go from here? <laughs> Full hour documentary on hemorrhoids. Uh, <laughs> Couldn't sit down for four months. Yeah. yeah this is stand up, stand up to sit down. That's the next one. <laughs> Uh, I, I have, I have, I have no idea. I have no, I have no idea. There's no plan. It's not like I'm looking, you know, it's not like I'm going, Oh, what, what's the next thing I can uh, reveal about myself to, <laughs> to try and help people. No, I, I, I don't think there will be anything else necessarily like, like this. You know, I, I, I think, I think I'm out of, uh, out of stuff. Well, I don't know. There's something, something will come up, but this, you're so good at it as well. I mean, you know, the, it, it, it is a fantastic, gripping, brilliant piece of television. It's uncomfortable, it's informative, it's entertaining, it's engaging, and it's, it's all authored entirely uniquely and, and originally by you. It really is a special piece of, of TV, so oh, congratulations a, for making it. Thank you very much. That's very, very kind words. High praise indeed. Um, thank you, Rod. It's been a real pleasure. I've pleasure. Really appreciate it. Podcast. Always great hearing from Rod. So much fun. And I must admit as well, I can tell you this now, he sent me the nicest message after our chat and has been in touch a little bit. What a lovely man. Really, really good company. And I've got to say, very brave guy as well for just being so open and um, direct with his uh, his challenges and his quest and, and all the rest of it. So really, really interesting. Okay, next up for the conversation chat, like in the revolving chair of chat. Oh, no, that sounds really cheesy, doesn't it? Anyway, let's go with it. <laughs> it's Kerry Katona. Here we go. The Andy J Podcast. Hey, Kerry, how are you doing? You all right? I'm really well, thank you. Are you having a mad packed day of this today? Is this just like, okay, we are talking about cows? Yes. Yeah. 
Just repeat the same thing with the same enthusiasm every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kerry, I don't know if you remember, but we've met a few times. We used to have the same agent, Jan, at, at Princess. Blimey, mate, you're talking about 20 years ago now. Yeah, yeah, I try not to think about that. It's a very, very long oh, time. Oh, <laughs> Jan, Princess Productions, wasn't it? That's the one. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, I remember winning, I remember winning the jungle, and I thought, oh, great, this is where it's all going to take off. And the first gift that she got me was Barbecue of the Year. I thought, what? <laughs> Do you know I'm what? Like, I wasn't really expecting to be doing this after I'd just been crown queen of the jungle. <laughs> do, do you know, the mad thing is that when you were in the jungle, I think I heard from her more than I ever did. She was texting everyone she represented to get us to vote for you, which we were doing anyway, oh. but I thought, that's a nice touch. You know, that was a sweet thing to do. Oh, bless her. Oh, yeah. no, she, she actually came to mine and Brian's wedding, I think. I've had that many weddings, I can't keep up and came what? <laughs> Actually, that's another source of... So you and I were also, we were chatting. I love how this is all coming flooding back to me. By the way, you haven't aged. Well done. I'm looking my however old it is now. Um, you and I were chatting at the after-show party of the Record of the Year Awards. This is, again, thousands of years ago. I've had this conversation with Brian recently. He thought... That was Brian. Yeah, he came and... Well, we had a bit of a fight. He thought I was trying to have a go. You know, he thought I was trying to pull you. And I was like, we're, we're with the same agent. We've, we've met a couple of weeks ago. What are you doing? Yeah. He got swinging. <laughs> oh, so there we go. Him. Oh, no, he's actually in Dubai at the minute. I spoke to him this morning, but we get on great now, me and Brian, which is good. Good. Yeah, that's a relief. That's brilliant. Hey, listen, let's talk about this fun new show because I've, I've been thinking about this, right? Celebs on the Farm. It was a great fun show on Channel 5. It's moved over to MTV now. And I love that you've gone in for this because this, for me, is a new tangent for you, right? You know the public love you. You know, you've just mentioned I'm a celebrity. When it's up to the public, you win, right? Celeb yeah. Big Brother, you very nearly won. You came super close. This one, Celebs on it the was Farm. A bit. It was, yeah. <laughs> but celebs on the farm. You know that if it was a public vote, you're winning it because you've got your history proves it. It's not up to the public, though, but is it? But it's not a public vote no. this time, is it? No. How do you feel about that? Well, I know how it ends, but I'm not giving <laughs> it away. <laughs> it's not about the winning; it's about the taking part. Well, that's a hint. That's a hint, as if it were. <laughs> Did you think that? Because, like, you, I mean, your your experience with reality shows has always been, look, I'll just be me and the public. I'm so real. I'm so honest. The public know my story. Yeah. And they, they engage with it because you've you've lived a life, Kerry. I mean, my goodness me. Yeah. The things you've done in your life and, and times is just, it's about 100 other people's lives, isn't it? But with this, did you sort of think to yourself, right, listen, I've got to win over, what's his name, Farmer Chris. I've got to convince him. That, no. No? No. For me, and this is, this is, I feel every time I've done almost every reality show you can think of. And for me, being a child from like a council estate and foster home and refuges and all that, and I get an opportunity to do these once in a lifetime TV shows, I just think, wow, what a great experience and an adventure I'm going to have. It's never, oh, I need to win. Oh, I need the public to love me. It's just like, I'm so bloody lucky that I can, I can do this. Yeah. And that, and that, and the only thing you can do is when you're doing these reality shows, it's just be you, really. For me, it's never been about the winning. It really is about 
taking part. What a great experience I had living on a farm with, you know, other celebrities. I mean, I was there with Sean Williams. I'm like, oh, my God, it's Barry from yeah. EastEnders. <laughs> Even though I've been around for so, so long. Yeah. I'm still, I'm not just saying this, I'm salt to the earth, I'm still dead humble, I still get dead starstruck. Do you know what I mean? Eamon Holmes rang me up the other day and I was like, oh, Eamon's <laughs> ringing me. You know, and, and for me, it's just, what I mean, doing the jungle. You know, not many people can get to do things like that. You know, uh, and experimenting, you know, Big Brother, I had Tarvel and Dean teach me how to ice skate. Yeah, that's very it, cool. It, it just, what a wonderful adventure and an experience that majority of people would never be able to take part of and plus I get paid for doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is never a bad thing. It's interesting. You mentioned it you mentioned Barry, Sean Williamson. I, I spoke to him a few weeks ago. What a lovely man, love by the John. way. And love he, Sean today. He is a, such a nice guy. And he'd he'd just done the yeah. celebrity barge thing, you know, with celebrities on the Oh yeah, yeah. And he said exactly the same as you. He's like, look. I get to just hang out with really interesting people on a barge. Yeah. I get paid to do it. And it's it's kind of yeah. very similar. Although a difference with the barge is it's just you're just getting on with it. Whereas with a farm, you've got to muck in. I mean, you literally muck in. Right. Listen, love, I've got five kids at home. <laughs> I think it might be easier on the farm than look after my five kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially during lockdown. Yeah. It, it, you know what? And... It, it was something that's so therapeutic about being on the farm and looking after the animals and being outdoor and no mobiles and no kind of technology. There was just something that was quite simple. Don't get me wrong, it was bloody hard work, mm. but it was, I got bipolar. I got diagnosed with bipolar in 2005 and my mood swings are like this and okay. you know, there's no in between. And for those whole the whole time that I I managed to stay there, I did not once have a down day. Right. That's amazing. I absolutely loved it to the point that uh, this year my goal is to buy my own house because I've been renting for 13 years and I actually want a farmhouse with land. Great. Hey, that sounds brilliant. Do you know what? And that, that will be so good for the soul carry. I, I recently spoke to Chris, Chris Packham, you know, the... the the BBC Nature Watch legend. Uh, mm -hmm. If anyone knows more about the great outdoors, other than Sir David Attenborough, you'd be hard-pressed to find them, right? And, and yeah. he yeah. has talked about how being outside, he had a very tough upbringing and had a rough old time because he was autistic and, and had all sorts of challenges. Mm -hmm. And he has talked about just the healing power of being outdoors. And it sounds like you've yeah. felt exactly the same connection. Well, I know, I know it's taken me a long time to educate myself on my mental health. So you have your tools, you have your triggers and you have your tools. And for me, one of my triggers is if I, if I am inside for too long uh, and the tool I use to try and help lift me is go for a walk, get outdoors. But that is quite, it's so difficult to have this argument in your head that you can't be bothered to go and do it. But there's something about outdoors and there's something about animals that is so therapeutic and it just really, really, really helps. And I'm a massive fan of our Yorkshire farm. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. Um, and I just love it. I just absolutely love it. And I'd even put up at once, Subs on the Farm is probably going, has been one of my best girls shows that I've ever taken part in. Isn't that lovely? 
I love that. Yeah. You mentioned how just going outdoors, you know, and going for a walk is, is a real tonic for you. But like, I've got kids as yeah. well. I don't have five of them. I'm just assuming just getting them to get their wellies on is about a two yeah. hour operation, isn't it? You know, right. We're going for a walk well, not really, later. Not really. You've got to bear in mind, Molly's 20 this year. Oh, Lily's 18 in like four days. Uh, Heidi's about to turn 40. Max is 13 in April and DJ seven in April. So we're past all the wiping bums and nappies and so they all kind of do look after themselves. Yeah, so it, it, it's play. not actually, it's not actually that difficult. I mean, the only one really who I've got to look after more than anyone is my youngest, my six-year-old yeah. kind of thing. Um, but no, they love getting out. We've got two lovely dogs. We live on Ashdown Forest oh. in East Sussex. Beautiful. So we... We're very, very blessed. I, I, I call that my back garden. Yeah. You know, so we're very lucky in that respect. The weather hasn't been the greatest to get out and about. Um, but, I, I mean, I, I recently just done another TV show up up north. So I was, like, so excited to get in the car <laughs> and drive somewhere. I, was, I felt the... like I was on holiday. Wow. Leave the county. Well, I mean, and you were yeah. a lovely company. We're on the farm, you had some really great people. You mentioned, obviously, Barry, we call him that, don't we? And he doesn't mind that. But you also, I mean, he Linda Robson. got that on his <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's so he should do. Obviously, Linda Robson was there. She's a legend. I've known Linda for 20 years. Me and Linda go way back. So I've known Linda a million and one years. Obviously, me and Duncan, we was on the same record label. Yeah. We grew up together in the industry. So, you know, normally when you do a reality TV show like this, you know, like we're in Big Brother, you know, there's always uh, the jungle, the, you know, dancing nice. There's always that one idiot. Yeah. You say, oh, what's an absolute, can't wait, not work with them. Yeah. It was not one of, not one, not oh. one in this cast. Everybody generally, are, mind you, they could be saying that about me. <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I might be not one. <laughs> that would be brilliant. That would be amazing. <laughs> no, everybody was so lovely. And in fact, the funny story was I actually spoke to Lady C on the phone yesterday. Okay. And I was and I was saying to her, I said, I think it's so funny because all the reality TV shows that I've done, except for The Jungle, obviously, because I still talk to Kate and Pete, um, that are, it's like... You know, you always go, oh, we'll keep in touch. And it's like when you've got a nine-to-five job, you all go to work, but you've got your separate lives outside of work, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. You know, I think I've spoken to the majority of the people on Sebs on the Farm separately on the phone to see how they are. I think that's lovely. I think that's really nice. I know Stephen Bailey, who hosts it quite well. What a lovely Love man he is. Stephen. So funny as well, it. isn't he? Yeah. He, he, he. He needs to be doing more TV work. He needs to be doing more. I, I think he's absolutely lovely and wonderful. My pretty boy is what I called him. <laughs> My little pretty boy. He needs, he's so funny, so quick-witted. He wasn't as funny as me. He knows that. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's the rule. <laughs> I, 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 I want to see Stephen on more TV shows. I think, yeah. I think he's think he's brilliant and lovely well look just tell me what's next because it's you know the celebs on a farm is great fun and it's on mtv every night which is great stripping it which is brilliant uh, from the 8th of feb nine o'clock so tell me what's next for you what's the what's the next big plan there's another big reality tv show that i filmed last year that comes out in april i'm not allowed to say what that is that comes out but i've also just launched um mfit my own fitness 
app and we're just about to launch uh, our own dating app called Marnie. Everybody deserves a happy ever after, even though I've been married, divorced, married, divorced and widowed. <laughs> At one point, I just didn't think I deserved to be in a relationship or be loved. So I don't, I think, for me, I, I want people to be able to know that everyone deserves to be in, in love and be loved. And yeah. so we're just about to launch that before Valentine's Day as well. Oh, I've just also got my own boutique, Kerry's Boutique. I've also just launched my own sofa range. Um, it's all been so busy, and but above and above all that, I'm a mother to five kids. You all drive me crazy. Brilliant, you busy bee. Well, look, good luck with it all, Kerry. So much going on. I wish you all the very Thank best. Thank you so it's much. Lovely to see you again. Cheers, my darling, and you love the Andy J podcast. See, I told you, didn't I say Kerry would be incredibly honest? And she certainly is. You've got to admire it. Lots and lots of fun. Uh, the lovely Kerry Katona. Now let's uh, let's have a little bit of magic, shall we? Here is the one and only Ryan Tricks. <laughs> I'm really pleased to be able to welcome. I've described him historically as the world's greatest street magician, and I stand by that. It's the one and only Ryan Tricks. How are you doing, Ryan? Good, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is amazing. Thanks, man. It's, cool. it's, it's really great to have you yeah. here. So look. You get what I mean when I say that, right? Because, yeah. like, we've known each other a while. Yeah. I think you're fantastic, but I am scared of you. <laughs> Everyone is, I think. I don't know why, though. I'm a nice, I'm covered in tattoos, but I'm nice. No, you I'm are, no, but that's the thing, isn't it? That's, <laughs> because you have this amazing ability. You know, people are intrigued mm. and scared by magic in equal measure. Yes. You know, we, we always try and work out how something's done. Mm. Whenever we see a trick, it often blows our minds. Yeah. It's, it's, and it is quite frightening. And as you've just alluded to, you know, you are, if, if you're kind of topless, there's more tattoos than I than I can count. Yeah. Right? You've you've had a lot of ink. You've got your eyelids done, which just is a sign that you are completely fearless. <laughs> so it didn't hurt. It's all right. So that's where the fear side of it mm. comes from. But the affection side of it is because you're an absolutely lovely guy. Thank you. Thank you so much. And it's but people don't get to realise that yeah. until, until they yeah. actually meet you. Do you yeah. know? What? Like you go up to someone in the street. Yeah. Like, yeah. Nate, like filming street magic videos. God's honest truth, you won't, it's so hard. No one wants to stop. Yeah. Literally, I'm, I'm like, I'm about to show you a miracle. Like, nope, don't want to see it. Nope, don't want, it's so hard to get people to stop and actually show magic or mind reading to them. It's, it's ridiculous. I don't know whether it's because the way I look, I don't know, I, it's just hard. That's what it is. Yeah. It's the way you look. You probably. Because you're scary. <laughs> <laughs> judgmental. No, but you're absolutely right. It's yeah. judgmental, it's until people get to know yeah. you. But it's all, it's part of the act as mm. well though, isn't yeah. it? You know, the image kind of sets the tone for mm. you're about to see something that's you weren't expecting mind. to see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I want to talk about, I mean, there's so much I want to get into. Mm -hmm. But the first thing I want to go down, because you've had shows on the BBC, yes. you've had shows on Channel 5, you've had America's Got Talent, yes. which we're definitely going to talk about yes. in a moment, by the way. But I want to start with, because I want the audience to realise why mm -hmm. I think you're such a lovely man. I'm going to start with YouTube. And people don't necessarily know this, but your beginnings in terms of the public mm. was actually doing a lot of good. Yes. I'm talking about the homeless. Yes. So so I, I have a saying and I'll stick by it. Like, if you could do magic, ask yourself the question. If you could do magic, real magic, what would you use it for? See, me, I would use it to help out people that really need it. And whereas I use my magic to help the homeless, like I slept rough for 24 hours to raise money for shelter, homeless charity, because I just believed that... 2020, nobody should be homeless. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's very close to my heart. And yeah, so I just try and use my magic differently, not to trick and fool people, to help people. And that was what the BBC show, the BBC uh, Three show was. It was using magic for good. So going into a hospice, war veterans, uh, homeless. So yeah, just 
If you could do magic, use it for good, right? I love it, man. And the thing is, and, and people might not realize this, but the thing is, you didn't set out with that agenda because you put that you put that on YouTube, mm -hmm. which was a really great, and and the BBC happened to see it, and then yeah. and then it kind of took off for you. But that wasn't your agenda. Your agenda wasn't I'm going to get a show out of this if I no. if I work no, no, with no, these no, people. No, 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 it was no. like let's yeah. go out and help some people. Yeah, that that's why I slept rough for obviously for homeless to raise money because I something I stand by like having 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 conversation with them. The in, the in, I interviewed them. It's half hour. Mm. I was going around interviewing, asking why are they homeless, and most of them actually wore war veterans like were in the war and now they've no home that's the thing people don't understand it's one missed paycheck and yeah. you could be homeless yeah. like anyone right here could be homeless and it's sad it's it's a sad thing if i can just make people aware of this like i just done a social experiment yesterday where raising awareness for the homeless again uh because we walk past them like they're invisible yeah literally just don't even bat an eyelid so uh, yeah, something very close to my heart. <laughs> Man, I love it. I love it. And that's I think that's because the kind of foundations of your life, you know, family is a huge, mm. huge thing for you, isn't it? Yeah. You're, you're one of what five? You've got uh, four brothers Warren, and a sister. Warren, Jason, Aaron, <laughs> Courtney, Mason. Yeah, five. So the six of us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's yeah. You can't not be a family man when you're one yeah. of a huge child. You're practically yeah. a football team. Yeah. My mum. My mum loved children. Yeah. Yeah. So what was that like? What was that like growing up? You know, were you having to compete for attention? Is that where the kind of magic started? Uh, what was see, the... with me, it was, uh, I, I had ADHD as a kid. Like I, I was permanently excluded from, from my school. So I've got two grades, maths and English. And that was a, a D in maths and a C in English. So I left school with no grade because I, I, was, I was a little bugger, to be honest. Like, so for me, magic sort of helped me. It changed my life massively. And that's what I focused on because with ADHD, I just get really addicted to stuff and magic was just one thing that I got on with and I loved because there's nothing else like it, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I can walk into a room and engage a conversation instantly just by showing some magical mind reading. But I love that because you've, you've made it sound like it's, it's as seamless as that. But as with any skill, you know, what you've got, and, and, and I love this as well about magic is that you haven't just worked at it, because mm. you have to work so yeah. hard. It's practice, practice, practice. But it's also harnessing your imagination mm. and staying ahead of the curve and seeing. Yes. Because there's a lot of magicians out there. Yeah, you know? a lot. Yeah, you just have to be different. You have to be different, mm. exactly. And so you've got this brand of magic that you have put so much time mm. and effort into. It's the graph that people don't see, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. That kind of seamless, yeah, I can walk, to, walk into a room and have a chat yeah. with everybody. But yeah, you've spent decades yeah, getting to that point. Yeah, practicing. Like, I've been doing it since I was eight. So I'm 29 now, I have to think there. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm 29 now, so I've been doing it a few years. So, and it's just, you just, you just got to think new ideas. And it is, it's quite, yeah, it's so, quite So hard. when little, little Ryan was eight years old, mm. Kids everywhere, yeah, and they're all brothers and a sister. I got a magic set. It was. Did you? Yeah, that, it was was it like set. a Christmas thing? Or? Yeah. Dude, tell me about America's Got Talent. Pretty much the biggest kind of talent yeah. show so, on the planet. Uh, like I've like I've been asked to do BGT. I've been asked, uh, and to me, like I've I've had two TV shows in the UK. So yeah. even though BGT is a massive platform, I was like. I had, a, I had a choice basically, BGT or AGT. They both contacted me. They both wanted me on this nice. this year, nice. and I turned down BGT to do America's Got Talent. Of course, because it's America, and America is absolutely huge, and it's the perfect way in. Do you know yeah. what I mean? On the biggest show in the world, now America know who I am. So they approached yeah. me, and I said, "Yeah, I'll do it." Uh, created a routine that I've been doing for years. Went on there, done it with Simon and Howie. 
Simon was controlling how his arm. It was amazing. Uh, yeah. And that, that's it. That's then, incredible, man. Yeah. So what's so they contacted me. So what happens next? Because obviously, you know, you've had to do that from here as well. You know, it's not like you've been able to fly yes. over there because of COVID, etc. So there's been all sorts of restrictions and challenges. In any normal year, you'd go over there, you'd be doing your thing, mm. you'd be staying in a hotel, and you'd have agents at the door, you'd yeah. have people waiting in reception, you'd be getting signed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You'd be off to Vegas mm. or whatever it might mm. be. People would be like, oh, we need Ryan Trees. Yeah. This, the, the COVID handcuffs yeah. are keeping you here right now. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I'm actually not in a competition anymore because uh, I made it to the, the judges' cuts. And to be honest, I said to my, uh, my team, I was like, they're not going to put me through because right. I can't fly to America. Yeah. So why are they going to put me through? It makes no sense. Like yeah. all the international acts, they dropped. Yeah. So they, they said you can't go through to the live show. So I, in a way, I knew I was going to go out anyway because of COVID, because I can't fly there. So it's, to me, it's, I haven't lost anything. I've gained from the whole experience. Okay. You know what I mean? I got to perform twice on the biggest channel, NBC, and the biggest talent show in the world. So it's a win-win. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, man. So, yeah, man. So yeah, it was a great experience. The team there are absolutely amazing. Uh, but it's just a shame because the, the only thing, the only down thing about these shows is you don't get uh, any edit editor rights. So right. there was actually bits cut out from both of my auditions that were great. There was one bit insight, one bit they got cut from my first audition. So my first audition, I got four standing ovations before my act even ended, right? That was insane. Yeah, Four standing O's before nuts. my act ended. The American audience are crazy. And then I ended with, so the whole thing with Simon was controlling how his arm, blah, blah, blah. And then how he was blindfolded. And then I, I handed uh, Simon a cookie. And I said, now we're going to test your connection out. Howie, I want you to imagine you're holding something inside your hand. Now, he don't know what Simon's, he doesn't know what Simon's holding, right? So Simon's got a cookie in his hand. I say, uh, Howie, hold your hand up like this. Imagine holding something. I say, now, what is it you're holding, Howie? And Howie says, cookie. Boom. Because how the hell did he know Simon yeah. had a cookie yeah. in his hand? Get that reaction, stand and know. And then I ended with, now look, the imagination is a powerful thing. You just imagine holding a cookie, didn't you? Didn't you, Howie? Now look, if you actually held a cookie, then the texture of the cookie will be on your hands, right? Lick your hand, Howie. Now, Howie's a massive germaphobe, right? So he doesn't shake anybody's hands. He okay. doesn't touch things. And he was like, I'm not licking my hand. I was like, lick your hand, Howie. Tell me what you taste. He licks his hand and he can taste cookie. And then it just erupts. But they had to cut that. Uh, I assume because of COVID, it's yeah. not nice to someone licking Damn. their hands on national TV. Yeah. But yeah, so that it, it was great. Like, got it, The routine was amazing, but they just cut the end out. So that's the only downfall with them shows is yeah. you literally have no say on the edit, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. But other yeah. than that, biggest platform in the world. It's amazing, amazing experience. Nailed it, man. Yeah. What's next for you? Uh, me, well, it's a hard one really. Like, I just want to get back to performing, like yeah. live gigs. Uh, I, I want to do a, a theater show, but obviously the entertainment industry is down the pan at the moment, right, so yeah, yeah. it's hard. So I've just been trying to make online content really on my Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and stuff like that. But then that's still hard, like yesterday filming a social experiment getting people to stop now, even before it was hard, is even harder now because yeah. I don't even want to stand near you. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know don't know what's going to happen. You need to heal the world, mate. Yeah, I do. You Use again must be doing it. Use my <laughs> magical powers. That's it. That's it. Can you fly? Yeah, easy. <laughs> Ryan, it's been brilliant. Yeah. I love it. Thanks, man. No worries. Thanks brilliant. for having me. Thank you. The Andy J Podcast. And let's conclude today's show.
or this week's show. I don't know. It depends. Some of you apparently listen to this in one hit. Some of you will take us on a run or a jog or a drive or whatever. Some of you will fall asleep to us, apparently, which is flattering. Uh, and, and yeah, some people hear it all in one hit. Some people will dip in and out throughout, throughout the week. And I guess when we've got several different guests, this might be a pick and choose. But if you're returning to the show, having heard the first few guests earlier, let's jump in with Phil Daniels. And if you're just listening in one lovely hit, what a nice way to finish. Here we go. The acting hero that is... Phil Daniels. Hi, Phil. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm back. Are you doing loads of these today? Are you sick of them already? No. <laughs> so, was that no, no, I just to, sound, no to not? I just sound, I just sound like this. <laughs> how's, how's it all going? How are you doing? You all right? I'm good. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm good. You know, moseying along, keeping, keeping busy, keeping, you know, keeping happy. Well, that's, that, I mean, that's the important thing, isn't it? Look, we've, we've got to discuss, you know, this, this fantastically fun and entertaining new drama that you've just been a special guest in. But, but before we jump into that, because I want you to tell me all about it, including whether you felt like you'd really lucked in because of where it was recording. But we'll come on right. to that in a moment, if that's all right. Because I've enjoyed okay. the episode that you're in, by the way. Great fun. But let's talk about lockdown Good. first, Phil, because it's, it's impossible to ignore it right now, isn't it? We've been banged up for such a long time. You, yeah. How are you getting on? What's what's a day to day for you at the moment? Well, the day to day, I've been working a little bit. I did I do a series called Sliced for Dave, and we are filming that. And I have been going in uh, to Lewisham filming that. We've got two COVID supervisors. We all wear masks on every rehearsal, and we just take them off for the takes, and we get tested twice a week and. So, you know, that's kind of been nice because because you get to talk, you know, talk to people and be with people, other actors and crew, yeah. you know, so that's kind of nice. Other than that, you know, I've got a little dog called Chico and uh, we go out, we have a little job a few times, uh, a few times a week. So we get to the park and wear ourselves out a bit and, uh, you know, do a bit of watching telly, read books. That sort of thing. Doesn't sound too terrible. No, 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 no. I imagine one thing, and you, you'll be a man after my own heart if this is the case, Phil. I'm guessing, but I imagine one thing you're missing is actually going to the football. Well, yeah, I do miss I miss that. And, uh, you know, I've been watching quite a bit of football, even though it's, it's much harder to watch these days um, without the crowd yeah. being there somehow. If it's not Chelsea playing, I, uh, I, it's hard for me to sit through a whole game these days. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It was that was one of the great tonics when football was suddenly okay. The Premier League have made an agreement; all the games are going on telly, and everyone was like, "Oh, brilliant!" And then you see it without the crowds and without the crowd noise, and it's like, oh. I mean, it's better than not having it, but it's not quite the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and I don't fun. know what happened to all this. Are you going to get it all free? Yeah, it, it well, seems to uh, it seems to have slid right back into pay per view uh, territory, doesn't it? Do you know what? It's almost it's almost worse because it was free for a little while, wasn't it? I mean, there were a few games where you were like, "Brilliant, everything's free," and I I watched every game going when it was free, loved it. But now I'm a Newcastle fan for my sins, and and now it's uh-huh. like, well, hang on, how many different subscriptions do I need? I know you watch, you know, every game is televised, brilliant, but how much is it a month? Come on. 
That's not cool. I know, it's all £30 a month or whatever. So, it, it, yeah, it, you know, it's not it's not great for the for what for the the products you're getting yeah. isn't that wonderful i don't think yeah. just a load of screaming footballers crying every time they get kicked a little easier watching chelsea than newcastle though phil to be fair so you know well yeah <laughs> but only, only just we've had <laughs> a bit of a, i mean at least we you know we beat the our chairman beat your chairman to sack in the manager. So yeah, it's, it's true, although I quite like Frank. But anyway, there it is. Such is life. I thought like Steve Bruce, but you know, at least you've got a win on the. You beat, didn't you beat Everton? We did. We did beat Everton. It was the first first game we won in twelve. So that, How was, come? that was a real result. I I think it's the new assistant manager. Actually, the new assistant comes in, looks like he's calling all the strots and, and pulling the strings. Uh, genuinely, I think it's that. I like Steve Bruce as a human, but for some reason, it's not quite working for him at Newcastle in yeah. terms of getting in his groove. But anyway, there we are. wasn't chat wasn't planning to chat football with you quite this much. Football. Okay, <laughs> happy we have. It's all, it's all good. Um, so look, let's t- talk about this new show then. Tell me the, the BBC One Daytime iPlayer show. Tell me all about it, because I've seen it. You get to hang out in a very cool Beetle and wear a nice suit in a very nice part of the world. But why don't you tell me all about it? Well, yeah, I'm a sort of ex... You know, it's called the New Yorker Files. And, um, I, you know, it's about two cops in New Yorker, a, a, a young lady and a young man, really. And it's their adventures and I'm just in an episode and I play a private detective that's on the island um, looking for really is looking for who killed his grandfather in the civil war Yeah, and uh, and he comes you know he crosses paths with these two detectives and sends them on a wild goose chase or attempts to um, but he's a kind of you know ex-met meets pulp Pulp Fiction sort of character, really. He's, um, you know, he wears a, a, a an old suit and a an old fedora kind of hat, and he's into Dashiell Hammett books. So it's a bit of the old, really, um, combined with these two young, two young detectives. You've got so some. Very- it was fun to do. You've got some engaging moments in it as well, Phil. I mean, one of your opening lines is trouble is my business, which is brilliant. And your and your business card is very tasty, FBI. Yeah, it's Frank Bottomley Investigations, which is FBI, but apparently they got it first. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a nice... But, yeah, it was great fun to do. It was great fun. I had a flashed up old Beetle, you know. He, he, was, he was very... Uh, you know, worldly worn. Um, we went into the mountains in New Yorker and shot a lot of the film. Shot a lot of film there. It was just, it was just wonderful. Yeah. This is all just before the pandemic started. So last November it was uh, one November back, two thousand and nineteen. Right. Okay. I must say, I hadn't, I'll be quite honest with you, Phil. I hadn't heard of the Mallorca Files before. I hadn't seen it. Wasn't aware of it. I, I never really able to watch BBC Daytime because it's, you know, time when I've got to be working. And, yeah, I just hadn't been aware of it. And thanks to this, I've now discovered it. It's a lovely little show. It's great fun. It's a sort of, it's a feel-good crime drama, isn't it? Well, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's an attempt to, you know, do something in the afternoons. And, uh, yeah, and it's a crime drama. It's 
that you know that they're keeping the scripts up to a good standard, I think. And uh, so, you know, it's not like doctors. Um, so, <laughs> you know, so hopefully, you know, it's something nice for people to watch. And I suppose in these lockdown times, it's great to see shots of Mallorca being sunny and the sea yeah. and the mountains and all that. Lovely. It really is. Do you know, it, I mean, what's the, what's the one with Ralph Little in where he's... Um... Death in Paradise, you know, the, the, the BBC evening yeah. drama, right? So people are, I think lots of people have been kind of escaping to that because of the, the backdrop. And actually, I felt this is very much in the same vein as that. I mean, I must say, I watched the episode that you were in first and I was like, well, I better know, you know, what Phil's character is and all the rest of it. And I've been given right. a link to the rest of them. I've, I've watched the whole series now because it's just a really nice, it's just a very friendly watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, I think that's what it's trying to be and that's what it, and what it's uh, come out as, and um, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, it's really nice. Phil, tell me tell me about you. You've had such a phenomenal career. You know, when you look across your, everybody knows Quadrophenia and Scarm and Breaking Glass and so on. You know, you've, you've been at the top of your game for such a long time. Your household name, everybody knows your voice as well, of course, thanks to Blur and Park Life. I don't know how much you get reference to that. I imagine it's quite a frequent thing. Plus, you've got the music that you've done a lot of. What is it like uh-huh. for you? You know, you're, you're what, 62 now? Do you sort of... Yeah, do you have, indeed. Do you have the drive that you had in your 30s, your 40s to kind of keep performing, keep acting? Do you still get inspired by it? Do you still get elated when a, a script lands in the inbox? Oh, yeah. I think, you know, yeah. It, it, you know, if it's really good and I really, you know... It's difficult, you know, it's difficult as you go on, you know, when you're 62, you know... Some of the parts dry up a bit, you know. You're starting to be too old to be a copper, just to be a private investigator. So, you know, but, you know, I think as things change and as older people are starting to be recognised a bit more, um, you know, there'll be more written for them. And, um, no, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying, you know, whatever comes through my door. And if it's a good thing, I'll do it. And I'm still sort of very keen to do the best I possibly can. I'm, I mean, I've really enjoyed watching what you've been doing recently. I mean, it was interesting. I was talking to Celia Imray recently, and she was saying to me, do you know what, because I think she's now late 60s, and she was saying to me, do you know what, I just love it when a role comes in that isn't grandma, and it's just it, you can really get your chops into it. And like you say, okay, maybe 62 being a copper, but the, the, the private detective route is bang on. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, and we're, you know, we're hoping that might take on another life at some point. So that that would be good. Oh, what? We might see more of Frank Bottomley. You might see more of Frank Bottomley. Well, that's exciting. Once, once he gets out of jail. <laughs> what? <laughs> there, was, there was a little aside there. Will it still be in Mallorca, do you think? Uh, no, I think if we do it, we'll set it more, um, more towards... Africa and Cadiz, maybe a bit of Gibraltar, that side of Spain, and have a bit more flamenco and a bit more, you know, of the authentic gypsy kind of feel to it. Um, So that would be, you know, that would be nice if that happened. This has been properly spoken about, Phil. The level of detail you're talking about, this isn't just, you know, someone sending you a little text going, how about it? This is a proper chat, isn't it? This is this is quite No, advanced. no, yeah, we've, we've, we've been thinking about it. So, you know, it's just 
you know, these times are a bit strained, so getting it off the ground is what we've got to do. But by the sound of things, when the world is turning again, and as we all expect it to, once the vaccine's properly done what it needs to do, this is going to be... You could you could see Frank Bottomley again. I think that's FBI. great. I, I liked Frank Bottomley. I thought he was a good character. I mean, are you, are you pleased about this? <laughs> yeah, of course, you know. Might be fun. <laughs> You're classically understated, Phil. I love it. It's just... It's one of those things where you've got this very cool role that's going to be filming in cool places. Yeah, it might be fun. <laughs> well, you never know, here. So, yeah. How do you how Keep do you going. how do you cultivate this nonchalance, Phil? What's the secret? The secret is reality, right? You know, I've been in the game too long. I know uh, what's going on, and life's just like the same for me as it is for everybody else. And, uh, that. That's the thing. I get out there, make sure I do something every day, like get a walk or do a run or keep me head above water and that keep my mental state good. And I think that's being relaxed is trying to be relaxed is the way to do it and not to, you know, get too excited over something that might not happen in the future. Fair enough. Sounds like you're in an all right place though, Phil. Yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool. Happy days. Good stuff. Well, look, I wish you all the very best with it. You know, I sincerely hope we do get to see a proper spin-off with Frank Bottomley. That will be good. That will be properly fun and very engaging. And I hope that the COVID test, I, I had to film something during COVID myself, and we were tested, what, every two days. And there comes a point, I mean, you say you're having it a couple of times a week, there comes a point where some of the tests are less fun than the others, doesn't there? Uh, yeah, my gagging reflex is getting worse, not better. Yes. Well, I don't know what, what it's like with you, but we had certain nurses that when you knew there was a certain nurse that was doing it, it was going to hurt. I mean, it was going to be the brain scratcher. And then there were others where you're like, oh, yeah, this, this no, right. give me a back. Give, give me the, well, it's, it's the, uh, it's the answer. <laughs> well, you're allowed to do it yourself. Brilliant. They've never let me yeah. do that. Maybe that's the secret. Yeah. Get your hand off me. I'll do it myself. Thank you. I know where, I know where McDonald's are. <laughs> well, and the ananoids. I your ananoids. I don't know what they are. Up, you know. Yeah, yeah. They must be your ananoids. They need a proper tickle in order to get your test. They need a tickle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Happy days. Well, look, Phil. I wish you all the best. I look forward to seeing what happens to Frank Bottomley and his uh, assault right, adventures. And take it easy. Have a okay. good one. And you. Thank you. Cheers. Bye bye. Bye bye. Podcast. That's it. That's your AJ podcast for this week. Episode 33, done and dusted. If you are new to us, if you haven't heard us from episode one, I'd love you to check out our back catalogue. We have so many big, big names and huge hitting celebrity conversations. And very flatteringly, we're getting written about in several of the uh, the big papers, your mail and your mirror, the sun, the telegraph, the times, etc. Really lovely when, um, when the journalists pick up the stories too. But that's not why we do it. We do it to entertain. And I hope you have been entertained. So please do check out the other episodes we have in the back catalogue. And incidentally, if cars are your thing, we have a sister podcast, an automotive skewing podcast called The Driven Chat Podcast. And we've got some mega conversations from some automotive legends. So if cars are your thing, do give us a, a listen on The Driven Chat Podcast as well. Anyway, thank you. Have a good week. Take care of yourself and uh, tell your friends about the show, eh? Bye-bye. 
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series We Were the Lucky Ones with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.